Yo, what's up? Welcome back to the Business Kids Podcast. We talk to real people, not their job titles. Let's get straight to business. Today, we're joined by Sean Kogan, everybody, who is a Rotman graduate, an entrepreneur, and co-founder of Recruiting in Motion. For those who don't know, could you explain a little bit more about Recruiting in Motion? Sure, definitely. So Recruiting in Motion is a professional recruitment agency. So I'll, I'll peel away the layers there a little more. So re- recruitment or staffing agencies, you know, you can use that term interchangeably. Uh, we help, in, in a nutshell, we help people find jobs. Um, we're not a generalist agency, though. We specialize in certain types of candidates and certain types of roles. So we, we typically help employers who are looking for uh, accountants or IT professionals or sales and marketing folks or administrative. Uh, they fall under the bucket sort of white collar professionals and we'll do temporary placements we'll do full-time hires and we act as the middleman the broker between the employer which is our clients and the candidate which is uh you know also our clients uh and we 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 basically make money when we place candidates with the employer but we never charge candidates we only make money when uh the employer pays us so uh so that's how it works so a lot of you know the misconception about recruiting agencies is we charge candidates the services we provide to candidates are all free. The services we, we give to employers, that's, that's, that's what costs money. Yeah, now that you mention it, I am no uh, connoisseur of the recruiting arts, but I honestly did think that too. Like, um, I'm looking to get a job now, but like, I genuinely <laughs> did think that it does cost money, which is it does good not. to hear. It is, it's a misconception. It really is. Uh, and I've been doing this for 23 years now in, in the recruiting industry, and many candidates come in and and by the time they leave, they're like, so um, where do I pay or yeah. how much do I, you know, we, you know, it, it would be unethical, in my opinion, for mm-hmm. recruiting agencies to charge candidates. Uh, we, mm-hmm. we make money by charging employers. They're the ones with the need. And we just, we're the broker. We're the middleman. We fulfill the need. So if, if you're not charging candidates, then I assume, you know, not just anybody can show up and say, hey, you know, Sean, can you get me a job right now? And if I have no... Uh, credentials, no experience, no nothing. Obviously, you know, you get paid when the employers pay you, but That's they right. don't, they don't want me. If so, I'm... so um, yes and no, it was a good point. Uh, we at Recruiting Motion, we don't take on every single candidate that walks mm-hmm. in. We're fairly particular because we specialize. Uh, and because we specialize in certain areas, uh, we typically charge employers a bit of a premium and we're, you know, we're known as a premium service agency. On the other hand, uh, there are a lot of other agencies, the generalist type agencies, that will take on everybody. So, it, you know, we could uh, just kind of go down the ranks and we could see, you know, there's executive search that will only deal with really senior level C-suite executives. Uh, that's not us. We'll deal with a lot of middle managers. We'll deal with uh, candidates with, uh, you know, very limited experience, but they specialize in certain areas. On the other end of the scale are the, the low-end generalist agencies. They'll deal with anybody. They, they love candidates that could, you know, potentially work uh, in, in, in a factory or outside on a, on a forklift or, um, you know, raking leaves. There's agencies that fill all these needs. We're not, we're not one of those. Uh, we just do white collar. But at the end of the day, if, uh, if you want to find a job, there's an agency out there that can help you find a job. And they're not going to charge you. And if they do charge you, um, they're, you know, a bit unethical, I would say. Given your experience with uh, 
recruiting people and making sure that they get uh, the job that they seek. What on paper uh, makes them attractive versus like in person? What do you think makes them more of a, like an attractive hire? Uh, that's a really good question. So over the years, uh, you know, I, I've trained a lot of recruiters and, and it's, uh, those are two very different things. You know, what makes a candidate attractive on paper versus what makes a candidate attractive in person. So, um, you, you know, it's, uh, it, it, can be, it can be subjective, but, you know, some of the key things are, uh, in, so let's focus on in person. In person, when, when recruiters, when, when I would be meeting candidates or when any of my recruiters meet candidates, they're looking for certain things that will you know, make a candidate really strong. One is how well can they explain what they've done? So if they're coming in with experience already, you know, how well can they articulate to the recruiter exactly what it is they've done? Because if they can articulate it well to us, they can articulate it well to the employer when they finally meet them for an interview. Uh, another thing is confidence. You know, are they, are they looking you in the eye? Are they shaking your hand? Are they, you know, um, sitting up straight? Uh, or are they staring out the wall? And uh, are they looking down at the paper? Or if, if you ask about their experience, they're, they're looking through the resume. It's like, if, you know, if you're a candidate and uh, someone asks you, you know, well, what did you do in your last job? You shouldn't have to look at your resume to find that out. You should, you should know. So it, it's really more about how somebody comes across. Uh, so once again, confidence is important, uh, posture, um, uh, focus and, um, and, and appearance. Uh, and I know, you know, you should never hire anyone just based solely on their appearance. So I don't mean not someone good looking or not good looking. Those that's totally subjective. <laughs> that should never come into it, but are they dressed well for the type of job that you're hiring them for? So if, if you're hiring them to work in a bowling alley, you know, they shouldn't be wearing a suit and tie. It probably doesn't fit. On the other hand, if you're hiring them to be uh, a controller or an account manager or, uh, you know, manager of a human resource department, you probably want to see them dressed appropriately, um, you right. know, possibly a suit and tie, maybe a suit with no tie. But, you know, all of these things will differentiate uh, candidates when you meet them. Now, mm -hmm. before meeting them, it's on paper, right? I think one of your, your, your other question was, uh, you know, how, you know, how does someone present well uh, on a resume? And, uh, and it's sort of the same things. Can you explain yourself well? Can you be succinct? Can you explain what you've done in you know, two pages or less? Um, because a resume should not be long. If you've got 20 years experience, sure, you can push it to two and a half, three pages. But at the end of the day, try to be succinct, try to get it all in there. Uh, you don't need you know, fancy backgrounds. It doesn't have to you know, be super high in the graphics end of things. Uh, it, it should just be nice and clean and concise concise bullet points and it has to tell a story so it has to read from you know from your past to your present and you don't have to have a lot of experience you are who you are you can come in to you know to a recruiter with with you know whatever your experience is uh, but you can embellish a bit uh, don't lie but you can embellish make yourself look um, as good as you can on the resume so so use descriptive adjectives and and really try to bring out your strengths and your skills and, and I know I'm taking up a lot of your time, but one last thing, what I'd say is in, in that opening, when, when, you know, you've got, you've got, forget about a cover letter, a cover letter, I, I'm not big on cover letters, but if, uh, if you have your resume, uh, you should have an objective. That objective should be a few lines and it should tell everything. It should tell the story, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's going to separate you from, uh, from the crowd, from your competition. It's funny how you mentioned that the fact that you're not very big on cover letters because we aren't. We, we aren't had a question either, for that. 
we had a question about that. We noticed that when doing our research, we saw that you replaced in a, in a way the cover letter aspect with a video in which the person mm-hmm. explains themselves and how they like gained the experiences that they did. So what was your reasoning behind that? That's, that's funny. That's the answer really right there. Uh, uh, and you know, I, I, I'll, uh, I'll temper that with, it's not that I don't like cover letters. I just don't feel that many of our clients, uh, the employers who are hiring, you know, the candidates that we present uh, typically read cover letters. They don't want to see them. They don't want to see them from us. And so, uh, and, and it also sometimes um, could, um, uh, you could give us the wrong impression of a candidate. For example, the candidate sends in a really nice, clean, concise resume and then sends a two-page cover letter. It's like, well, you know, I'm, that's a bit of a mixed message. Is this guy uh, you know, or girl concise and, and you know, uh, can they present well in an interview or are they just going to go on and on and on and, and bore a client to death? Um, mm. So uh, so I don't mind cover letters. Keep it simple. Keep it, you know, a couple paragraphs. That's it. But what we did do when we started the company is we did introduce this uh, video concept. Um, and, and you could say it replaces the cover letter. I like that. I don't think I've ever said that. It doesn't, uh, in my mind, it doesn't really replace the cover letter, but it can't. Uh, but what it does do is give the, uh, the employer, a, a quick snippet of who our candidates are. So they're not a two-dimensional resume. Like none of us here are two-dimensional people. Um, you know, uh, we, all, we all have uh, a lot of interests outside of the job you're gonna be hiring for. A resume a lot of times doesn't bring out the character of an individual, uh, their communication skills, how they present the fit. So a quick, you know, one, one and a half minute intro video um, that really sells them. It, it really kind of shows the employer, this is who you're meeting. You're not meeting the guy, you know, you're not meeting the resume, this, you know, flat document, this two-dimensional thing. You're actually meeting an individual, a person who's behind the document, and you're going to see them when you meet them in person, but here's a quick video. And, uh, and we do that through an online portal. I guess we uh, helped out today with um, the suggestion of a uh, replace the cover letter. So We'll be monitoring any future use of that in your company. We're, we're charging royalties. <laughs> a small royalty. We'll just send a small yeah, royalty. royalty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A small royalty. Where do we make the checkout to? <laughs> Don't worry. Just just write a blank check and uh, we'll, okay. we'll handle the rest. Yeah. I'll tell you what to fill in with later. <laughs> no, but yeah, I definitely, I definitely do agree with the sense of having that um, aspect of we're not only two-dimensional people, right? Like we're not just our jobs and we're not just like our professions, right? And in this podcast as well, I feel like obviously, yeah, you're very well suited to be a guest today since that's what we try to do with this podcast to kind of uh, embellish and embody that people are more than just their careers and more than just their professions, right? Totally. I think, you know, and once again, I've been in recruiting for a while. A lot of people have been in for a lot longer than me, but I think what differentiates some recruiters out there. Um, is they'll they'll meet the person they'll engage with them they'll build a sort of a mini relationship in a half an hour and i'm saying meeting you know i know with with covid we're not meeting people we're mm-hmm. doing a lot of zoom interviews um and and i i get you know what we're trying to do each and every time we're representing a candidate is before presenting them to a client you, you want to build a bit of a rapport a bit of a relationship break down the walls break down the barriers and get to know who they are behind the resume and so you know, some recruiters who are in the business just to, to make a buck, all they're doing is looking at the resume, going through the skills, you know, maybe sending them an assessment to, to understand exactly, you know, how proficient they are at certain things um, and asking them about their background, but not really getting to know who they are. 
Um, the video will help. The video helps us tell our clients who they are. But the recruiter, I, I've always felt, is uh, doing them uh, a disservice if it's just a, a sort of a black and white interview. You want a bit of depth, a uh, bit of uh, right. building of a relationship. And I think that, that differentiates some recruiters and some recruiting agencies and others. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think on that whole idea of 2D resumes and that's not the whole sense of the person i think like personally uh we can kind of relate to that as people in business school right now and i was going to actually ask on that because i think that as i look at it now and i'm like oh you know i should probably consider a career and i should probably look at jobs to make some money that could be a good idea but as much as i've seen like the vast differences in our program even of just all the classmates have different abilities, personalities, whatever. If you look at all the resumes of our program, they're probably pretty, pretty similar. Like everyone has the same degree, does a few case comps, does an internship or two. So yes, some will stand out off of experience, but I think that in many ways, the resumes are super similar. So what advice would you give for people in business school trying to like differentiate themselves and say, you know, I'm, I'm a bit more than my resume compared yeah. to everyone. That's a good question. Um, so number one, they could be similar because, you know, they're taking a course and it's a template and everybody, you know, follows a template and it's, yeah. it's just like another course that they're taking and it could look fine. It could look fine. It could have your objective at top and you could have, if you have experience, you have experience or co-op experience or internships and they could have your education and then could have your levels of, you know, areas of interest, um, you know, outside of potential, you know, work. Um, and, and, you know, those are, those are some of the main sections of a resume and that's cool. You, you, there's only, there's only so many ways you can skin a cat, right? Yeah. Um, at, at the end of the day, you've got a resume. It has to tell a story in, you know, one and a half, two pages or less. So you're not going to, uh, build a better mousetrap overnight but what you can do is build the best mousetrap you have and that's by the content so uh number one my best advice for resumes don't don't go nutty with formatting or underlining or making too many things bold you, you want to just keep it nice and clean and, and straightforward it's got to have your contact info on the top because if you can imagine you know you're flipping up resumes probably to to a bunch of potential employers you want them to reach you and just because they've got your email address on the email that you sent the resume on doesn't mean that somebody isn't going to forward that resume to one of their colleagues. So make sure you have their contact info on it. And, and I'd say um, you want to stand out. Uh, you, but it doesn't have to be standing out by, you know, putting, you know, pictures on your resume or a big rainbow in the background. Um, you know, depending on the type of job you're going for, you know, maybe if, if you're in marketing or creative, that might help. You know, we typically do more, like I said, the back office, and so it's more about the content. So I would focus on the content and focus on standing out by putting on things, putting things on your resume that your, you know, that your colleagues may not have done. The areas of interest outside of school, you know, where have you volunteered? You know, we're we're in the middle of a pandemic. Maybe you volunteered at a care facility, right? Uh, maybe you've uh, maybe you. Uh, did some work at a food bank. Maybe you volunteered, uh, you know, at, at your local uh, delivery place to deliver food to the homeless. You know, those types of things. Those are things that if you don't have a ton of experience, that's what employers are going to look for. They're also going to look for, you know, the, uh, the, the experience you did at co-ops or at internships. 
education is cool. Education is great. I love education. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a lifelong learner. Um, but at the end of the day, you're going to be competing against people who are going to have a very similar education. And I think you mentioned that. Um, so you want to do something different. So put on that education, but you're just going to get to par with other people. You want to ensure that there are things that are going to strike the, uh, the attention of uh, a human resource person or a potential hiring manager that says, hey, this, this person is a little different. This, this individual uh, stands out because blank. And you could fill in that blank, whatever. You know, maybe it's karate. Uh, maybe the guy who's doing the hiring uh, is a karate instructor. You, you'll never know that. But put it on. You never know. So put on whatever, whatever you've done um, to strike the interest of the person who's reading it. Um, and, uh, and more than that, in your objective, if you could come across with an objective that helps you land the job that you're going for, which means tailoring the resume to specific jobs. It's, it's easy to put a resume together and send it out to, you know, hundred different people and something's going to hope something's going to stick. Yeah. But at the end of the day, uh, if you could tailor the resume to the specific, uh, job you're going for, you're going to get much further. You could write it. You could write a little objective, not a cover letter, but a little objective that matches the qualifications of the role you're going for. If if you know you're applying for jobs and, and you really want to get a specific job or different types of jobs, focus on the role itself. You're going to get a you know job description. Look at the qualifications they're looking for. If you meet those qualifications, put them on the resume um, and tailor the resume to the hiring manager, and you're going to get a lot further than this you know the standard template and stuff. I just, um, on that note, now that you talked about kind of like the recruiter's perspective on how to tailor a, a resume so that it's successful and it's effective. One thing that I feel like we see often in the workforce is that people attempt to not only tailor the resume to the point that it's like tailored to the company, but in a way, fake their way into a position through maybe over-exaggerated experience or disingenuous uh, interest for a company. So what's your approach uh, with people like that? They're going to, you know, somebody's going to see through that pretty quickly, I think. And if they don't see through it before they get the job, once they're on the job, they might see through it. Um, mm. At the end of the day, you're allowed to embellish on a resume, but that's not making it fake. It's just embellishing. It's right. bringing out, um, you know, the, the skills that you have um, and, and making them shine. You know, you, you know, uh, mm. if, if you're an Excel whiz, Make sure you say that. Don't just say proficient in Excel because everyone's going to say that. Maybe just embellish it a bit. You know, you could do VLOOKUPs and macros and, um, uh, you know, pivot tables and, and, you know, maybe show, you know, you could say samples of work, samples of my work can be available upon request. Like really show it, really embellish. When somebody, when we, when as a recruiter, when we meet candidates like that, we can see through them right away. We're going to ask questions and be prepared to answer you know, candidates should be prepared to answer questions that are a bit outside the box. Uh, we typically don't just ask, you know, what did you do in this job? We'll, we'll probe with open-ended questions, you know, uh, tell me what you did in the job. And then they're going to talk about, oh, really? How, what did you think of that? You know, um, how long have you been doing that? Uh, give me an example when, you, you know, that you were working on a project and this happened. So we're going to want to dig deeper just to make sure we get to the real person and, and uh, if somebody's really enamored with a job and they just want that job and they are really passionate about it, that's great. Uh, I'd encourage that. Like we want to see that kind of passion. Uh, but at the end of the day, if they're just doing it because they think they're going to get the job, like if, if they're making it up, if they're, if they're faking it, um, we're going to see through it. Somebody will see through it. If it's not the recruiter, it's going to be the client at the end of the day. If you're just saying it to get a job, forget about it.
number one, you won't like the job. And number two, they're going to find out when you start in your last week or two, right? Something along the line of resumes, not exactly, but similar, I think. I feel like everyone now has a LinkedIn and everyone's trying to professionally develop for the description specifically that, you know, shows up under your name there. I think many of them, at least that I'm reading them, feel very formulaic, like they're very, very similar. I am a student uh, interested in getting a job, meeting new people, developing my skills, like certain buzzwords like that. What's your advice for making LinkedIn descriptions? I'm glad you brought up LinkedIn because, you know, recruiting has evolved, you know, over the years, but it, it really kind of uh, it got, it went to the next level when social media came around and then even further with LinkedIn, because LinkedIn is probably the main, you, you know, um, social media or business media um, uh, platform that recruiters look at on a daily basis. So if you don't think you're a recruiter or a potential employer is looking at your LinkedIn profile, you're, you're wrong. They're going to look at it. Will every single employer know? There's, there's no absolutes. Uh, sure, you're going to have the employer who just is going to, you know, maybe they're old school, they're going to look at a resume and they're going to bring you in for an interview or not or whatever. But just go on the assumption that they will look at your LinkedIn profile. So now that we have that as an assumption, you know, once again, it's it's the, the um, it's a strategy that I was talking about before. Whoever you are and whatever you do and wherever you're going, you want to stand out from your competition. So recruiting is never um, managed in a vacuum, right? You you know you've got competition. If you are the only candidate, then it doesn't matter. You know, you you put your face on the resume and you send it in, and you're going to get the job. At the end of the day, it's never like that, and it's getting uh, more and more competitive. As uh, you know, there, especially during a pandemic, you know, even though there's still a lot of jobs floating around out there, people are getting nervous, and, and they might have lost their job, and and they're or they might be looking for a new job at the same time as other people losing their job. So very competitive. You're not in a vacuum. You have to assume that everyone is your competition. You have to assume that when when an employer looks at you, they're looking at a hundred other people at the same time. So. What does that mean? Number one, great picture. You need a good picture. Um, you, you know, it, it won't matter to you guys, but when, you know, when, when folks have been working 20, 30, 40 years, they're still really employable, but put a recent picture on there. Don't put a picture that's 20 years old because, uh, you know, the employer might get shocked when they see you. They just might get surprised. Um, uh, same thing with everyone in this call. Just, you know, get a nice professional picture. If, uh, if you don't think you're going to work in an environment that will require a suit or tie or anything like that, don't wear one in your picture. If you think you're going to be in an accounting firm or, or a law firm that's maybe more professional, a little more staid, uh, go for it. You know, maybe you don't wear a tie, put on a jacket, put on a shirt. That picture is important. Um, the blurb is just as important. Uh, sure, you know, be honest, say what you are. Say if you're a student and you don't have much work experience, don't say I don't have much work experience. Say student graduating and blah, blah, blah. And then go on to maybe more about, you know, what you're passionate about and, and maybe what you want in your future career. Maybe you don't know yet, and that's cool, but you don't have to say, I don't know what I want in my future career. You, know, you can withhold some information. Um, you want to market yourself as if, uh, as if every time somebody looks at your LinkedIn profile, they may want to hire you for a job. But, uh, but so, so once again, tailor your profile to what you want the viewer to see uh, as to where you want to go. And, and then tailor that blurb the same way. So, you know, mm -hmm. um, passionate about marketing and communications, 
you know, ambitious team player, you know, use, use the words that you're, you think ex, um, uh, uh, sort, sort of um, express who you are, but at the same time, what the employer wants to hear. Uh, as long as it's right. true, you know, if, if you're a guy yeah. that likes to play video games all day and sit on the couch and wake up at, you know, two, two, two in the afternoon, you may not be that person that's going to fill the job that's, you know, in, in a stock, you know, stock brokerage or where you're going to wake up at 6 a.m. to be at work for 6.30 and stay there until 7 p.m., right? May, may, fit may not be there. <laughs> but, but if you're ready to go and you're ambitious and you want that job that will, you know, be maybe 10 hours a day and you're going to really sink your, you know, your heart into it, say that really passionate and ambitious and, you know, go-getter and, um, you know, confident and, you know, use some really appealing buzzwords as opposed to student looking for a job. So with the dawn of LinkedIn as the kind of like the catalyst of this whole social media, but in the business, business environment, which has affected obviously the recruiting business. Another thing that has affected the recruiting business is COVID. Uh, with your uh, company, Recruiting Emotion, how do you think that, that the before and after of this whole pandemic has changed your business? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I've been in recruiting for a while, since I uh, started in 1998. And uh, shortly afterwards, a few years I when I was really, you know, just rolling up my sleeves and getting into it, uh, we had our first recession. The first one, you know, had many recessions before that, I guess, but the first one that I experienced in recruiting. Um, and, uh, you know, there was some issues there and, and uh, you know, a lot of people lost their jobs and there was some uh, tightening of the recruiting world uh, with regards to uh, folks working in recruiting. A lot of people lost jobs in recruiting. Um, and then we bounced back. And then 2008 and nine was, you know, we had another big recession. Um, and, uh, and now we're in this one. Uh, I'd say each one is a little different. So this pandemic is different uh, because um, the recession was brought on by, by something other than economics. You know, in each one of the prior recessions, it was an economic recession. This recession is, is brought on by a health crisis which uh, forces the government to act and, um, you know, puts restrictions in place uh, for business owners. And that causes them to either not be able to operate and let go of their individuals, right? Let go of the folks that they work with or shut down entirely. Um, but that doesn't mean the underlying principles of, of the economy are broken. It just means that there's a, a big temporary delay. It's, it's, it's big, it's a long temporary delay, but it's, it's a course, temporary yeah. delay. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I think the fundamentals are still there. And so this is very different. So, you know, the strategy we've taken in recruiting motion is really to, you know, there's an expression, you want to fish where the fish are, right? So part of our business is um, working with clients who have job orders so that we can work with candidates who want the job orders and match them up. It's like a matchmaking service, right? Yeah. Um, and so a lot of our clients didn't, uh, weren't able to survive. You know, they're, they're just, you know, if, if, uh, if you're in the restaurant business, you've got to shut down, you've got to lay people off, you're not hiring anymore. On the other hand, there's a lot of clients that not only are surviving, they're thriving. You know, the Amazons of the world, the logistics companies, the, um, the, uh, the back-end food preparation companies or food delivery companies, uh, IT, yeah. you know, everybody all of a sudden needs IT. There's so many industries that are actually booming, pharmaceuticals, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. pharmaceutical industries. Um, you know, so uh, in recruiting, it's, you have to know how to pivot. You have to know when to pivot and you have to be able to work quickly. Otherwise, you could get really hurt. So luckily, uh, when the recession first hits, when the pandemic first hit that caused the recession, uh, we realized this was going to be a long-term play 
and we just started focusing on our, you know, really good clients that we knew were, were going to be strong throughout the recession. And um, and when when candidates were getting let go and employees were getting let go and coming to us, you know, we were talking about potentially shifting industries. You know, maybe they had a lot of experience in, in an industry that was doing really poorly, uh, but maybe they wanted to get into the healthcare sector. You know, obviously, unfortunately, that 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 area is booming. So that's that's kind of what we did. Um, and because we also placed temporary candidates on assignment, that, uh, that, that was an area that, that actually didn't get hurt as bad because even though um, companies were letting go full-time people, full-time employees, the temporary sector was, was, wasn't hit as hard. So we, we just kind of shifted yeah. a bit, we pivoted and we, um, uh, we, we managed to do okay. Unfortunately, a lot of our peers didn't. There's a lot of small and mid-sized agencies that were around that either have shut their doors now or have really reduced staff significantly and reduced their operations because they didn't have the ability to shift as quickly as we do. Yeah. Now that we've talked a lot about recruiting, I feel like in terms of jobs and careers, we've talked a lot about the how could we, but we may have not talked that much about how should we. And I know that's a really abstract way of saying it, but what I mean by that is we've talked about, you know, how to make yourself the best applicant, how to come across genuinely and try and get jobs. But I just want to ask with your experience in the recruiting industry, what are your best pieces of advice for people to be able to find the right path for them to know what they actually should be applying to? That's a good question. Uh, and it's, it's a tough question because everybody's unique and everybody's different. And I, you know, I, I, I probably have to put on my consulting hats for each individual person when I, when I meet them, but I'll tell you this, you know, when my folks were in school, that's long before I was, um, and, and they were going to start their career, you know, it was very different than it is now, right? There was no internet and there was no, uh, emailing of resumes, um, and there was no instantaneous knowledge. It was find a job. Hopefully, you're going to like it and stick with it for your whole life. And, yeah. and that's just not how it is these days. Typically, you know, candidates, sorry, you know, um, uh, employees, uh, they'll find probably three to five different careers. Forget about jobs. They'll find a lot of jobs. They're working a lot of jobs, but they'll, they'll probably work in three to five different careers from the time they uh, are in university to the time they might retire, you know, 30 wow. years later or whatever. So it, it's, um, it, you know, I, I think at the start of this, we talked about the fact that I've got kids in university. Uh, I've got mm -hmm. twins and, you know, they're, they're taking really interesting programs and I envy them because those programs weren't even around when I was going to school. But uh, at, at the end of the day, I don't, I don't suspect that they're going to do that their whole life. I don't know if they know this, but uh, I think they're going to go there. They're, you know, they're, they're starting with the best of intentions. Um, might get a job, and um, you know, my, my son likes gaming, so he might get a job in the gaming industry. But then, you know, five years later, he might switch to something else. Might mm -hmm. be similar, but it might be something else. So I think it really depends on number one, what you want to begin with. Um, in other words, if you want to be a doctor, that's a long educational career path before you actually even start in the, in the real workforce. So you might, you know, you've got a much higher chance of staying in that profession for a long time. But uh, well, when I was in university, I, I did an economics undergrad before I did my MBA. When near, near the end of my economics undergrad, I did something called the CSC, a Canadian securities course. 
Um, and I was convinced I wanted to be a stockbroker. Um, and uh, I didn't do that. I, after university, instead of, uh, uh, I, had, I had a job lined up for me at a brokerage firm, but then I got into an MBA program. So I did my MBA and I never went back. So it's like, those are the things that are happening these days. So just because you have the best of intentions to go in one career path, you want to explore your options. You know, you, you may want to go back to school after you've been working for three to five years. You know, typically uh, we see career shifts in, in one of three blocks, either two years, five years, or 10 plus years. Um, more and more, it's a two to five year block. And uh, along with a job shift could be a full career shift. So the job shifts will come two, five, or 10, depending on who you are. But the, um, uh, the career shifts could come at the same time. You could have a midlife crisis when you're 40 or 45 and decide, wow, I never wanted to do that. I want to open my own business now. Okay, do it. Yeah. Do it. You, so, know, you, want to yeah. Everything. You, you want to be happy. At the end of the day, well, we've got five core values at Recruiting Motion. I'm not here to talk about recruiting, but, but one of them is, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, we always find humor and happiness every day. Like if I wasn't, if I didn't enjoy what I did, I wouldn't do it. I don't care if I'm the owner of the company or if I'm the, the, the last employee that just got hired. If, mm. if, if I don't like what I'm doing, I shouldn't do it. You know, find something else. So based on that, I just got to ask, do you think it's ever too late to switch career paths? I, I uh, you know, I don't like, I think I said before, I don't like to use absolutes a lot, but in that case, mm. um, I'd say almost never. It's almost never too late. You know, at some point in time, it's probably too late. Yeah, you know, of course. <laughs> uh, you know, depending how old you are and health-wise and, you know, so many other mitigating factors. But for the most part, um, uh, I don't think it's, it's ever too late. No, you want to, you want to follow your passion and your passion might change. You know, when, when you're in your twenties, maybe, maybe your passion is golf. So go for it. Try to become a golf pro, you know, then, then maybe, you know, you, you hurt your hip or you hurt your knee or you hurt your elbow and you can't do it anymore. You know, maybe something physically constrains you from doing that. Well, do something else. That doesn't mean your life is over. Just means maybe golf is over. You might get depressed for a minute, but change and do something else. And uh, yeah, you, you know, you spend so much of your day working that you want to, you want to enjoy it. So uh, find something you enjoy and, and, and hopefully you can do it. You heard it here first, folks. It's never <laughs> too late to change career paths. Just almost, like almost, almost, ne almost never, almost, almost never, <laughs> never too late to change career paths. But what it is never too late to do is to check out recruitinginmotion.com and see what Sean Kogan's up to. But um, I just want to say thank you from me and Jesus, you know, for coming on today, for talking to us and actually having a very good discussion, especially for two people who are, um, well, I'm unemployed. Jesus is not. But we, <laughs> we really did appreciate it. And thank you so much for your insight. No problem. I, I've got to ask. So Jesus, what do you do? Uh, I, I know you're a student, but you're also employed. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I work at a, a, a retail store. I, I'm a part-time salesperson. Uh, I just uh, sell jackets and uh, camping gear. At so that's Plaza. amazing. <laughs> and, and that is probably, it might be, maybe you want to be in retail your whole life. A lot of people do. Uh, you know, mm. maybe not in that job, but in different jobs. But, but you know, that'll expose you to so many different things, right? You get to meet so many different people and you can talk of to course. people and that type of thing. And then if, if you end up loving retail, great. And if you mm -hmm. end up doing something else, that's even better, you know, whatever. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. what I like to do. Talk to people. <laughs> that's what I'm doing this too. <laughs> you can be a recruiter, you know. It, you know, I know we're <laughs> wrapping up, but I'll just say, it, I, when I first, so before starting recruiting, I was in accounting. 
I, I did my MBA with a specialization in accounting. I thought, you know, I probably want to do something in business. I had an economics undergrad. I, I had taken some marketing courses. I didn't know much about accounting, so I thought going to accounting. And, um, you know, then I went into accounting for a while. They, I opened a travel agency because uh, I got tired of accounting. Um, and then I, uh, I, I went into analysis. And so I did a bunch of things. But then when I finally went into recruiting, I realized all the people around me were so much like me because they all have different backgrounds. Nobody went to school to be a recruiter. You know, around me, there were accountants and there were salespeople and they were, you know, professionals, there were lawyers. Um, I, there's, there was people from all different types of professions and we all ended up in recruiting. So that, you know, uh, see, but that kind of goes back to uh, what, what you were, in, you know, saying before, you know, how many times, I'm not sure if it was you or Jesus mentioned it, how many times should you change your career and can you, like, everybody I know has done that. Almost everybody I know mm -hmm. in recruiting has done that to go into recruiting. So it's, um, it's, it's not only, um, you know, possible, it's, it's, these days it's probable. I, I'd say it's, it's more the norm than not. Thank you very much, Sean, once again, for being a part of the podcast. Guys, thanks for having me.